Telling you, bro. What's been happening, bro? Uh, not too much. Still hitting more Peggyos. Hi, my name is Shane Terrio, and you are listening to The Riff Raff. Music, stories, and insights from the front line. My guest today is guitarist, vocalist, and composer Lainey Stern. Lainey is someone I consider to be a really good friend, as we've known each other for over 16 years now. She is really one of the more inspiring musicians I happen to know. Her contagious laugh and her positive energy are things I really never get tired of being around. And although she's married to guitarist Mike Stern, who I interviewed on my fourth podcast, Lainey has her own distinctive voice on the guitar and an unmistakable touch and tone. She's won the Gibson Guitar Best Female Jazz Guitarist Award five years straight, and she's continued to push forward with each one of her records and bands. In this interview, you'll hear how she left a successful acting career in her native city of Munich to come to the U.S. and slowly build her reputation as one of the greats in New York. Now, 25 solo records later, she talks about her latest record, which we'll listen to some of that, what it was like studying being in a band with Bill Frizzell, the difficulties and advantages of being a female guitar player in a male-dominated industry, how she composes those beautiful melodies and tunes. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Shane Terry, Shane Terry, wanna check a one, check a two, check a one, check a two. <laughs> I am sitting here in New York City with Lainey Stern. Yes. <laughs> Surrounded by guitars and cats and cappuccinos. Wow. <laughs> Your record sounds beautiful, Lainey. Thank you, Shane. You play beautiful on it. You well, own everything. <laughs> well, thank you for asking me to participate. Well, thank you, Shane. Yeah, we've been, <clears throat> excuse me, we've been friends a long time. I know. And uh, we where did we meet? Backstage at um, Backstage B.B. King's. At B.B. King's, right? Yeah, yeah. You were playing with the Neville Brothers. Yep. And we've been, that was a long time ago, 15 years ago. Is that how long you're not with them anymore? No, it's not that long, but that was actually an Aaron, I think that was an Aaron Neville show, maybe. Yes, I think it was. Yeah. I, it was fun when you came out the other night to the gig, uh, the Holland Oats thing in Madison Square Garden, because it's totally different than what we've usually done together. I really like the way you played that, because you had all the like modern stuff in your solos, and I guess like John and Derek, they, they want to have that in there, you know? It's not just straight up rock. It's got all the like harmonic diversity and, of course, like yeah. a classic killing tone. Was that the Frida tone pedal? That night it was. Yes, that's the um, the heat heat blaster. Heat blaster. My oh. favorite pedal. <laughs> my best. The Christmas one that I couldn't get back, so I just got another one. <laughs> then he took my pedal, I'm and I sorry. never got it. No, it's fine. <laughs> I always liked the way you compose and. Two things that come to mind immediately, your compositions, sense of melody, and then that cool glassy, see right now your guitar is out of phase, that pickups, that cool strat thing you always get, that it just reminds me of you every time I hear it. Thank you. What was that tune I was asking you about last time? Um, 
You said that was on a Wayne Krantz record, but that's your tune, right? It's my tune. Yeah. What's the name of that? Is it Point something? Phoenix. Phoenix. I was close. Point. Another one I wrote that, that's a little. Well, it's a, there's one that I wrote for a dance, and the dance was called Point Falling. That's what I'm thinking and about. And it's a weird title. I wouldn't think of a title like that, but I just. The, the piece was written for the dancer, so mm. I, I. That's what the dance piece was called. I always thought it was strange a dancer calling something with falling in it. It's like me calling a tune with break a string, you know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a great tune. How do you come up with your melody? Do you compose the. Chords first, melody first, or a combination, or is it all, it just depends? I kind of do it at the same time, but I kind of had a composition teacher. He was a classical guy. His name was Edgar Grana, and he had me write the melodies first because he said, depending on what instrument a composer plays, their style of composition is kind of lopsided. Mm -hmm. Like uh, melody instruments would write the melodies first and then construct harmonies that fit in there. And harmony instruments would first do a harmonic structure and then kind of fit a melody in there. Mm -hmm. So he said there was nothing wrong with writing whatever, you know, you are a guitar player. That's who you are musically. You know, that's the kind of person you are. But he said it's good to make up for the kind of deficiency that occurs when you, like, so heavily influenced by the instrument you play. So he had me write songs where he had me just write a melody. Wow, and, that's a good exercise. And, I mean, I can write like a melody for eight bars like that, uh, or I can cheat and think of chords. And, But um, to like really honestly just take your cadences from the actual melody. You know, classical guys, they have like a whole set of rules, so... Which are basically meant for when 80 people play at the same time. You've got to like right. really watch yourself. Usually we don't play with like 80 people, so it's a little bit more lenient what we kind of do. You get away with more things. For me, that was a good exercise, so I wrote melodies first. And that's how I ended up writing everything at the same time in the end, because I got a stronger sense of melody from, from doing that.
people they look at the music a little bit different from the way mm-hmm. sure we we are i and mean it's he, more of a european thing too right it is kind of a european mm-hmm. thing yeah it comes from like the big orchestras that's how those rules were made and and you know until karl orff in the, in the classical music there wasn't that much attention to rhythm which is hard you know you got 80 guys going like Especially the music you're into, it's all rhythm. It's all rhythm. It's funny, yeah. Now, now that I think of it, it's all it's all rhythm. time that Bill Frizzell, who you, he was your teacher in yeah, Berkeley, he right? Teacher, and he's yeah. the one that introduced you to Mike? Yes. Oh, wow. That's yeah, a cool story. But he, didn't he, he have, a, didn't he comp- write a little book for you? Yes, lessons? he wrote, like, I, I studied with him and so he made this book and he was like a really funny guy. So it, it the book was called How to Play Bebop by Bill Frizzell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all kinds mm-hmm. of like, like things that you might want to forget, you know, like things that you, you ought to practice, but you don't because they're a pain. So he said, I should transcribe. One of the things, one of the entries in that book where I should transcribe a solo and it was a list by Herbie Hancock, Miles Davis, Chick Corea, George Benson, it was a long list. Bill Evans and um, and I should learn to play it on the guitar and preferably in like a several keys. And then I should do my best to try and forget everything. Wow. <laughs> that seems like a tall order, man. Yeah, it was a tall order, but it was kind of a good idea. You still have that book? You know, I can't find it. Somewhere. It's probably. somewhere. It's somewhere. Like I put it somewhere where I wouldn't lose it. Mm-hmm. I should never do that, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> But what's interesting is, and I told you this, I tell you this all the time, that record, your first record, you said that you were really, what, can you tell the story? Because that's a great story about how he's like, what, do you think we're not good enough to make a record? Yeah, I kind of got conned into making the first record because I had a band and because Bill said like, I ought to like practicing was all well and good but you don't know what you can do unless you like really play in front of an audience Mm -hmm. and you see people have a reaction to what you do like you know your job is to make somebody's day a little bit better to get somebody out of a funk or to like get somebody pause with something you write you know you it's not like something that happens within you and your guitar it's meant for people Mm-hmm. So unless you play for people, you're not gonna. No. You see, I already always felt like you got a good dose of that lesson with the Neville Brothers because that's all for people. You know, that's mm-hmm. all they got that really, really honed. So, so he said, let's. Um, if you get the gig, I'll play. So I got a gig, and we played, and we had a little band. And um, then he said at some point, like, um, don't you think we ought to record this? And I said, record? <laughs> what do you mean, make a record? Yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking like 10 years from now, maybe yeah. I would like to. And he, said, and he said like, what do you think, we don't sound good? And then I was like, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean, you sound fantastic. I mean, I'm really glad. I mean, this is really a great band. <laughs> I was backpedaling like crazy. And then he said, so, so why don't we make a record? Let's make a list of tunes. And so I was still like, 
you know, he like called me into believing that I had offended everybody by saying I don't want to record this band because you guys don't sound good. I was only talking about myself. I was saying I wasn't ready, but he twisted my words to make it sound <laughs> like this isn't a good band. And and so, um, Hiram Bullock was ha hanging out with us, and and I must have mentioned something that Bill wanted to record our band and. And Hiram immediately said, like, oh, I would love to produce that. <laughs> and I was really glad to have him on board because I really liked how he thought about producing records and how he thought about playing guitar. Because he, he was coming from an R&B soul background, Hiram Bullock, yeah, yeah, for those like of you that don't know. sound thing. Mm -hmm. and, and he was so much fun, you know, like jazz musicians can get really serious and really scary. And he was more like since this was scary for me he was like yo let's have some fun let's like play some groove and you know the funny thing is Paul Motion I thought like how are those two are going to get mm. along and Paul Motion loved him he loved him because he like you know Paul was into playing a groove and, and he said can I gate your snare drum and I said like oh my god here we go this is going to be like <laughs> put a gate on Paul Motion's snare yeah he said he said check this out this is sounds like it sounds like when I gated and Paul came and he said like that's really cool. And he like really liked the sort of experimenting with sound, which, oh. you know, in hindsight, that makes a lot of sense because that's the kind of experimental player that he was. But no jazz producer had ever asked him to experiment with the sound of how his drums were recorded because that's not how people were thinking at the time. He's totally into it. That's and a great. It's, it's such a great record. I mean, all your you. stuff. But I, I told you the other day, you can just hear sonically it sounds great. And the playing is beautiful. The duet, don't you do um, Someday My Prince Will Come? Really and you know. said your favorite cut was uh, Peter Pan, is that yeah. it? Duet. Yeah. yeah. You know, since Bill was my teacher, I had played a lot of duets. And, you know, I think as guitar players, we often get together and play. So that's a very um, easy thing for us. We don't so often get together with a horn player or with a piano player. Or, you know, horn players don't get together and and play songs to get yeah, tunes together. Weird, like, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of interesting. Or like piano players, usually where do you find two pianos exactly. or they start playing four hands? It's just like something we do, yeah. you know? It's a communal like, type thing. Yeah, yeah. or like want to hear the song thing. that I wrote and, and it's like... Well, most of the time, I, the only time I really play with two... Well, you and I play a lot together right. and Mike and we've had some pretty epic uh, long jam sessions. <laughs> hours and hours and hours. I, I remember when I was in school, Howard Roberts, the... the one of the teachers said, he said, you can learn all the stuff you want out of books, but there's something about getting together with another player or a group of players. And it just, it's like a hundred times more effective than shedding something by yourself. You know? you know, music really has to be like as second nature as a language. Yep. And what better way 
to just sit down with your friend and start talking, you know. Like because there's a lot of shit you can get off your soul while you're playing that right. that would be you'd have to be a poet to be able to say that stuff. You know, and not all of us are. The audience is restless. They're waiting for the sacrificial lamb. Red lights on. Are you ready? I don't know if I am. Drum roll, tide roll, spotlight. Can Joe Cocker hear the high note tonight? You know, for most of the 35 years that I've been married to Mike, when we're not touring in different parts of the world, we get up every morning and start playing. Mm. It's just, or when I come home, we just play a few hours before we go watch a movie or something. <laughs> That's so, such a beautiful thing. I, I don't know anybody that has that sort of really? life. Like, no, not, not a married couple like that. Two guitar players, both on that level, no. I don't know anybody like that. It's usually the wife is like, you know, oh, you're going to play or you just got back in town or, you know, it, it, that's but probably more what it's like. I would never do that because I would die if somebody did that to me. Yeah. Well, if that's somebody would world. start like with like, can you stop practicing now? And ooh, that wouldn't go over good. Riff-raff. <laughs> It's so funny people are listening because could you describe just an average day when Mike's home? Because I've been over there and played with both of you guys at the same time, you know, and it's really <laughs> fun. And, and it's just, a, it's like being in music school over there, right? <laughs> I mean, no, it's just, you know, like this is what we both like to do is right, play guitar. Yeah. So there's guitars everywhere in our house. I need to get some of those things where you can hang them on the wall because you can't sit down anywhere. You mm -hmm. know that because mm -hmm. on the couch is like mm -hmm. a series of the guitars. We're just like thinking, should I? Nah, maybe the Stratocaster. Nah, maybe the Telecaster. Nah, maybe the three thirty five. There's no place for anybody to sit yeah. because all the guitars are out. So normally when we get up in the morning, I make some cappuccinos and then we go to Mike's music room and we start playing some standards mm -hmm. and he has this philosophy that you should get like the hard stuff out of the way first which I find is a shock to my system at like early in the morning like, like the cold 9 o'clock like 24, 6, 36, 24 it's basically countdown or whatever it is yeah. it's worse than countdown yeah. it's like giant steps backwards with a bridge ay, ay, ay. and you play that really fast and, and after that everything else is easy that's a good that's a good uh, strategy, I think, for practicing, I guess. I guess it is, but it's also like, you know, not recommended for the health of your hands or your tendons, you know. I mean <laughs> a serious case of tendonitis over this kind of nonsense a few years back. Um, I remember going there not long ago, a few months ago, and we played for I don't even know when it was, and we took a break for lunch and then next thing I knew it was like six o'clock. And it <laughs> I'd been playing all day, but it was fun, you know. It's definitely a way to get your chops together. 
But we, we, we don't only play, like, we, you know, we, we, we play each other our tunes, our work in progress, right. like we do, you know, like yeah. we did today, like you play me some tracks and yeah. I play some tracks. Yeah, just and bounce, you, things, have off, bounce things off. Bounce things off and like... Perspective, um, get, a different yeah, perspective. or play play some things and or, or just talk about stuff. You know, like I have this problem with my band. I would like them to do this and that. And when I say do this, they don't do it. And they say like, wait, this is not how you gotta say this. You gotta, you can't just say play funky. It's not gonna get you a funky track. Mm -hmm. In most cases, I tell that to you. Like, I could say anything. You'd give me a funky track. Say <laughs> like, good morning, Shane. <laughs> Let me tell the listeners, they probably don't know, but you're from Berlin, right? From Munich. Munich, sorry, Munich. And you were originally an actress. Yes, I was. And can we see anything on YouTube of like uh, clips? You know, I haven't seen many of the things on YouTube because it was copyrighted by the oh. filmmakers and by the television stations. I was in a television series. So it's not like on German Netflix or anything? Um, for what I know, it hasn't been syndicated. Okay. It's, um, they don't do that that much in, in Germany with their series there. I mean, eventually I think they will. But I played a musician in the series. Oh, okay, so that was my question. Was it anything to do with music? Yeah, I, I, played, a, I played like a... a uh, problematic teenager that wanted to be a guitar player wow. and my father who was one of the biggest com comedians um was a straight guy and he was like you know tearing his hair out over what would become of me and and like a and comedian I wasn't was only a straight like, guy though that's the, the comedian played the straight guy he was incredibly funny it was so hard to act with him because he like would make you crack up he would like just look. Finally, he just had to look at me over his glasses, and I would lose it completely. He was so funny, this guy. But I, I, uh, aside from being a, a guitar player, you know, like I mean, it was probably justified because when you really get going practicing, you get kind of absent-minded. So I would like lose my keys. You know, like the thing that actually happened in real life yeah. when you're like a guitar player, you like. Right. Go you, when you put down the guitar, you don't put down the music. It's like in your head, mm -hmm. and then you forget your keys, and your car keys are in the car, and you're outside of the car, and like you know, it's like difficult. So that was the comedy part of my part. Or you play late at night, and when the family wants to have Sunday brunch, you just got to sleep. <laughs> so there was an episode where they wake you up. Wow, that's really I didn't know you played a musician, and then you just. Um you wanted to go to Berkeley, right? And do it for real. Be a real I had, real I had life a teacher from, from Berkeley that was here. And the problem was, you know, in, in Munich, people didn't really want to have a solo guitar as a woman. I mean, I got plenty of jobs playing rhythm guitar, but I wanted to be a solo guitarist, you know. Um, and my teacher was from Berkeley, and I really liked his system of teaching. Um, so... I went for like a few months in the summer to study, and I really liked it. And I discovered that they had a film scoring department, which I was starting to do film scores because as an actress, a lot of times people needed music. And so since I was there, I got a lot of jobs like that. Oh. Whenever there was music in the TV productions or in the theater production, I was in the theater group too. And I... Uh, was responsible for all the all the music in it, so I was always a musician and an Double actress. Dipping. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> smart. And in and in 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 America, they had like a 
um, the film school and the music school were partners. So the minute you got in there, you scored student films. And um, that was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun because you got to experiment with all these like other instruments. You know, like I did on my last record, mm -hmm. you said like, oh, let me get a viola, let me get an accordion, let me think of whatever crazy sound. And you just like go and you had them. So you got to... Um, To experiment with sound, like similar when you with guitar, you can like use all these effects that that will change your sound into like imitating another instrument. Like mm -hmm. you know, it's like always oh, a violin when you put the distortion pedal on because you got endless sustain, mm -hmm. and uh, you know. So, but it's for real. So that's what what made it appealing for me. And then once I got here, the rhythm sections were a different story in America than in Europe. I mean, it's gotten they've caught up a lot, but like. You know, there were some cats from the south at Berkeley, and the way they played a groove, I said, oh, I think I'm going to move, <laughs> because it felt so good. And yeah. there were so many musicians that you could play with, and so many clubs you could play in. Oh. So I just, um, I would still go home and do like 17 episodes of my film series, but I'd take all that money and come back to America and start just playing in bands. Wow. So that's how you did it all at the same time. I, I didn't know there was you you there were still crossing paths at the same time. I thought you just like left and that was I it. I had a pretty well established career as an actress. And it was hard to let that go because you know how it is in the beginning on the guitar you don't make a lot of money. So for a while I I kept going to Germany. But then you know I met my husband and he wasn't too pleased with me disappearing to Europe for months at a time. Even so, he himself disappeared to Europe for weeks at a time. <laughs> Mike is in Europe pretty much every time I come over. <laughs> every well, other time. When I got the house to myself, I every called other all time of my I come friends. Over. Yeah. You want to play? <laughs> about your uh, your new record since that's all done now since last time sounds yeah, beautiful yeah. mastered thank you uh, thank you for your help like every time Michael goes to me I'm saying uh, Shane can you play keep the acoustic guitar keep play, uh, Shane can you play some lab uh, <laughs> Shane can, can you play a groove on this like you know like the way you play a groove I need that right here <laughs> <laughs> happy to be of service <laughs> service it is i learned so much it was so much fun too you know that's the other thing you know i used to have this guitar teacher my first guitar teacher he was from argentina it's funny my my keyboard player now is from argentina too and they're like yeah. really party animals i mean probably not every single person in that country but they have like that general right. tendency towards sure. party animalism and he said you know the best thing for a guitar is another guitar And he was right. You know what? We were talking about playing with another guitar. It's like just like fun to play like fun. many guitars. So, you know, I put a lot of guitars on this record. But it and doesn't sound like smothered. It sounds, I mean, I'm going to hopefully put some of the tracks in, in here so people can hear. But um, it sounds really layered and nice and textured. You know, because you know, you there's can, a lot of room for different guitars, and there's a lot of different guitars. There's baritone guitars. That baritone sounds great. Yeah, that's you know? that. 
Flip made that for me. Yeah, I remember that guitar. That's actually in that documentary on him, right? In yes, the movie. Yes, he made that in the in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's in there. I was always complaining to him that I love the sound of a baritone guitar, but they were like too big. Mm-hmm. It was like. Well, a lot of people don't realize. I mean, it's my opinion, but I, I, I think it's valid. Is that um, the more stuff you put on a track, actually, the smaller it gets. Yes. Because you lose air and you lose that space. And like you listen to an AC/DC record, it sounds huge, but there's right. really not a lot there's going lot on. on but it sounds huge, and that's why, you know. And your record, it has a lot of guitars, but it's the right amount, and it's. Thank you. Yeah. What, yeah, what are I'm, some of your favorite tracks on the on the record? Well, I um, I like the ones where I play Goni, that, that traditional mm-hmm. song that I covered, because I play Goni throughout the whole track. And the Goni is kind of my uh, blues license, because it's like the original instrument the, the blues was played on. And I've taken great efforts into learning how to play that, that thing. And, and it's... That's one of my favorite tracks. It's called Malisadio, and it's an African song and an African story. And um, we made a new arrangement of it. You know, put the saxophone in there and put some loops in there. Just made a contemporary version. together the hide and seek one mm-hmm. where i cut out the whole band and it's just you and me <laughs> <laughs> hello like, hello here we go <laughs> <laughs> Tuareg dance that's mm. kind of almost you say it's almost like a hip-hop groove but yeah. it's actually the groove that the Tuaregs in the north um, of Mali and Senegal and well the southern, southern end of the Sahara those nomads that's the kind of grooves they play somebody said it's like the way their camels walk it's like slow yeah it's got like, a swagger to it's it it's got a total swagger to yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> big record it's got 14 tracks on it and you know due to due to the political circumstances in africa um i wasn't able to go back there to usually i do my productions in africa because i can go there and study rhythm you know i can mm-hmm. go with hang with the percussionists and learn some more grooves and I hang with the goni players and learn some more songs to play on that instrument and i do my mix you know but but um it it's gotten great, a little though. i mean i think it'd dangerous. be hard to find somebody to mix like that, like the guy you have here, you know, it just sound. It's got the perfect amount of. You captured everything you needed in Africa, and then you have the New York 
sophistication and shine on top of it with the mix. Thank you. you know? Thank you. That was kind of sort of the idea to put some more jazz in there, too, with some yeah. harmonies and some of my friends from the jazz world, like James Genus and Leo Genovese and um, George Brooks, you know, mm-hmm. and Karen playing viola, you know, mm-hmm. like some of the stuff that we do over here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and I felt like that gets enriched with the, you know, I, I don't have drums. I just have seven percussionists instead. And that's actually like a really powerful sound. It's like so, an army. <laughs> it's like a fucking army. When I first started performing with that, I was like... What have I done? I'd sit in the audience and I heard Tumani Javati do that and you soon do and Baba Mal. Like all these guys come out and they start playing and a lot of shit they do in unison. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful and the whole audience gets up. It's like half a bar into it, everybody's on their feet. And it's, you know, that's not so it's easily really done. Powerful, you know? man. That it's really powerful, man. That is really But, you know, in a way, it was cool to add all these other instruments because that's such a big sound. It's like a lonesome guitar in front of those guys, like I am sometimes in our concerts. I feel like I'm running in front of the New York City subway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have, like, you know, some horns, like a lot of voices. So then it's like, I felt actually that turned out like a good balance. I mean, it's cool to have this sort of lonesome guitar and a voice and all of that percussion. It's cool too, but um, it's good to make it a big ensemble to have mm-hmm. like a lot because they can drive. When you mm-hmm. have six guys like that, they can they can push a couple of guitar players and bass player and a piano player and I'll some bet. horn players and singers down Man. the road. Good. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you give me an example? I I know you. You don't have your goni, but on guitar, can you play like some African style rhythm I have or something? I'm not goni right here. I'll play okay, it. you can play it on the goni. Hey, you've made you've made a few guest appearances on goni lately. You played on Shelby Lynn's album. Yeah, you... I played on Shelby's album. She she really like liked the sound of that like rootsy blues thing yeah. on the goni, and and I played on the record with with like. Eric and Michael. Eric Johnson and Mike, Michael, yeah. I played with them. It, it's it's funny, like the real blues and players. And Will Lee's record. You played on Will's. I played on Will's record too, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, and on Lara Bayo's record. And I play a lot of records with that because especially the blues players, they hear the, it sort of sounds like country blues. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, one of the interesting things is, What I'm tuning here are the sympathetic strings mm-hmm. because you have two playing strings and a drone. The octave of the drone and then here. you can tune them any way you want to. And everybody has like their own way of playing. But there is a Malian song, it's called Masani Sisi, that's got like a real John Lee Hooker lick in it. Oh, yeah. Dunia, dunia, leve tande. 
which is a song. It's a story of this like. Um, it sounds like a blue story too. It's a story of this guy, Masani Sisei, who goes to his sorcerer and says, like, go sh- throw the cowrie shells for me. We got to see what's happening with this trip I'm going to take for my business. And the, the sorcerer says, looks real good. You're going to come back a rich man. One thing, don't take anybody's girl. Just stay away from mm-hmm. that. So sure enough, like the guy goes to the other country with all of his stuff that he's selling and buying and he sees this girl working in the field and... That's the one. But she had been promised to a fisherman. So on his wedding night, he gets poisoned. Mm. And there's dunia, dunia. Wow, <laughs> but it's, it's like, like a real blues. It's thing. like a real blues thing, yeah. right? Like that was his name, Masani Sisi. But it's like it's you can really tell not just the groove. But the story, you know, the yeah. moral of the story is... <laughs> All you need is somebody in the background going... <laughs> I wonder if the guitar will still be popular in 20 years. You know, if it'll still be... It seems like now everybody's trying to play through so many pedals and make it just not sound like a guitar. I still think there is nothing like the real sound of the instrument. And if you play when i play through pedals and different things i'm just like orchestrating you know i'm like accompanying myself accompanying somebody else it's just shit i can do with my guitar but my voice when i play a solo is just my guitar Mm -hmm. i don't don't do that's what i always liked about you the tone it's like pure you know but you know that's what i liked about bill fuzel the reason why i asked him to be my teacher was i heard him play with this sort of fusion rock band, Tiger Okoshi's, Tiger's Baku, it was called, trumpet player from Japan, mm-hmm. great writer. And I heard him like play with, you know, the typical Bill Fussell rock sound with the mm-hmm. SG. The rat pedal. Rat pedal with an SG. I know like. how much you love rat pedals. <laughs> I could now get a good sound <laughs> from it. I like my free the tone pedals. Yeah, those are that I turn great. on and it's right. And I just keep twiddling and it gets rider and rider. The rat pedal. <laughs> We're not friends, maybe because I like cats. But no, Bill was at, so I heard him at that club. And then um, a few days later, there was like a party on the stoop in Boston. They used to do that when it gets hot in the summer. Everybody buys beers and drinks outside. I think that's legal in Boston. Uh And there was this guy playing acoustic guitar. And he sounded like the guy from the club with an acoustic guitar. No rat pedal, no SG, no like amp turn 16 second delay. (laughs) <laughs> he sounded like that on wow. an acoustic guitar and so I said ask somebody say like who is that guy and I said, first I asked like, is that the same guy that played at the club and I said that would be Bill Fuzzell that's him that's how I first heard about him and then I asked him if he would teach me he didn't have a lot of time to teach people so I, don't, I think he didn't have many students because but he, he wrote was, a book for you he wrote a book for me because he must have liked you a lot and then he introduced you to Mike. So that was a pretty fateful decision. That was a fateful decision. You know how he introduced me to Michael because I was, I had heard like James Brown and the Nevels and all that funk stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, can you show me that? And he said, no, I can't, but I know who can. There you go, Mike. There you go, Mr. Mike's Stern. Mike's a funky player. Man. He's a very funky player. He is a funky player. player. And he was like more funky during those days because mm-hmm. he played a lot of funk kicks, you know. I mean, he still is. You, I mean, once you're funky, you're funky. <laughs> His right hand is, yeah, it's 
ridiculous sixteenths and stuff. The way he plays that, you know, he he's got an interesting way. The way he approaches yeah, the rhythm. Yeah, I I went and and got that over there. Who are some of your besides Mike and Bill Frizzell? Who are some of your favorite guitar players? I love George Benson. I remember mm-hmm. like Bill let me transcribe something. You know that record called It's Uptown? No, I never heard George of it. George sits but... on the cover like this with a big smile and mm. like a lot of rings in a L5, I think. And so I transcribed that record and I memorized his solos. I started, you know, showing off my George Benson licks. And then Bill Fussell said, you know, Lenny, George Benson is always going to be a better George Benson than you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to be the best Lady Stern well, You might is. have better rings. <laughs> hey, what's wrong with my rings? <laughs> no, I'm saying you might have better oh, rings. Oh, I have better rings. Yes. No, so I really like George Benson. Mm-hmm. And you know, like he started singing too and I started singing. So I really like the way he played. But I like a lot of guitar players. You know, Vincente Amigo, that flamenco mm-hmm. guitar player, mm-hmm. Paco. Yeah. Uh, John McLaughlin, especially in Shakti. Mm-hmm. I like John Schofield. I like a lot of guys. I like the way you play the guitar pretty good, too. <laughs> Put you all over my record. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the thing is so cool. Guitar is in all different styles of music. Mm-hmm. And I like a big variety of things to play. And when you're a guitar player, you kind of have a, an easy way to understand what's going on. You know, my brother is a keyboard player. And I remember when I was little, um, we always had to look for a keyboard for Bernie. That was like the mission because we, <laughs> he would never have like a keyboard. I mean, today it's easier. You can take a keyboard with uh-huh. me, but it's still not the same. as like you can always, like I think like the guitar is the greatest instrument. You can always have like a guitar with you. Even if it's just like, like that one of guitar you that I love, that Martin, that mahogany Martin that's all over my record. And you just can have that with you. So it's like really like your best friend. You can Unfortunately, just... that one is hard to drag around because it's, a, it's an old vintage one. Those are, that's the only problem with Yeah, the, like it's the same thing with that Stratocaster yes. right there, that 59 that you're playing. I'm not I'm exactly playing, dragging that around. I'm playing a 59 Stratocaster right now that Mike doesn't really play. No. I always play it when I come over. <laughs> it's I beautiful. Love it. it feels like an old pair of boots, old worn in pair of jeans. I know so this. You bought this for Mike and he. Um, Never bonded with it, right? No, but you know, he had like the Stratocaster that got, he got mugged. Uh-huh. And I think that had something to do with it. It was just not that Stratocaster. So no Stratocaster will ever do unless we yeah. get that Stratocaster but his, his back. his telly got stolen too, right? Yeah. Oh man, he's lost some. He's lost some, some, you know, that one the thing, being a female guitar player is good and it's bad. Uh, it's bad because people don't expect anything for you and bandleaders get nervous if you have to bring down the house. It's like, oh my God, what's she going to do? But also, like, I never got mugged and I wonder why, but people just don't think you have good shit. Because you're a woman? Yeah. Because, like... Do you think of... I mean, do you think I don't of muggers think actually thinking think, about... Going no, they home? would think, like, I yeah. want to have, like, some kind of, like, vintage instrument of my back. I don't know, look at those gig bags, man. Like, leopard skin... <laughs> Leather, you, know, you got like some, <laughs> looks pretty but nice I don't to me. Think people, <laughs> but I don't think you know me. But you know, if it's just like some girl walking down the street, who do you think if you see 
My husband walked down the street. Me looked down the street. Whose guitar do you think will bring you more money in the pawn shop? Try to think like a mugger there. Yeah, maybe so. It will be his guitar. You'd think like, yo, he's like put his money in that. What does she know? <laughs> Wrong! I have the good guitars. <laughs> I like Mike's Pacificas, though. I do like that guitar. The action too. is totally whacked on those the guitars. Action the action is the neck really is hard. Bowed, he, and likes he likes that it. high he likes action, it. Like, but he gets that kind of tone. And also for his funk stuff, he like... It's like nothing yeah, it gets works. in his way. It, it works great. really good for him. For my hands, it would be murder to play that. And it's also heavy. It's so heavy. You know, I used to have a black top, Les Paul. Mm-hmm. And I loved the sound of that guitar. But it just like, it was too tiring to stand up all night with that thing. Now my, my Stratocast is light. That's a beautiful That's guitar. Like ash yeah. wood You've had that a long time. Right? I have it a long time, and it's like, you know, you can just stick that under your arm and walk around with it. His guitar, and it, and it still is a very resonant guitar. No, you don't get that big, fat sound. You know, it is what it is. You know, like his guitar has that really round sound. But he's but got humbuckers like, too. These are stacked humbuckers. Oh, Lindy Phelan installed them. I didn't know that. That's, that are. guitar sounds good. But it's like stacked hamburgers aren't really hamburgers. Like they kind of are, but they're not really. Mm-hmm. But that's I, your Honestly, tone, I just installed them because I was tired of being in the recording. So you know how you have to like face a certain way when you solo so that hum doesn't mm-hmm. go away? Yeah, that gets old. That gets really old. <laughs> you know, I Adam, my life like, Adam Levy told me once, who's you know a mutual friend of ours, he told me once, he said, you know, when I think of Lainey, I, she could plug in anything as long as she has that Strat. And at the time, I guess you were using a Dynacomp or something. He goes, yes. Lainey and the, the guitar and the Dynacomp, like that's her tone. But you don't use it anymore. No, I use the Free to Tone Silk Road now. You know, my Dynacomp, I think they have fixed it. The thing with the Dynacomp is there's no light on it. So you don't know when yeah. it's off and on. And I don't set it really hard. So you kind of have to really see if yeah. it's on or not. But I haven't I, tried that that comp, but uh, the free the tone, nice. I'm sure it is. It's All their very, stuff is very free. nice. And also, like, I feel like the the heat blaster likes to see the other one first. Mm-hmm. Well, they're both speaking Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Lainey, for chatting and playing as always. Thank you, Shane, for playing. Let's play. Let's play. Let's play. Well, there you have it. Thank you for tuning in today. And I've said it in the past episodes, but it really helps the podcast out if you like it to go to iTunes and just give a little rating. You know, it's easy to do or comments even better. But um, Or you can send me an email via my website, shaneterio.com, T-H-E-R-I-O-T. Thanks so much, and see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.